0: Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Genesis Genesis chapter 31, and I'm reading from verse 1. I'm actually going to read from the King James version. Not sure what translation you've got, but that's okay. I'm going to read from the New King James version. I think that's the one that's going to be used in heaven. I think so. Get used to it. Amen. Genesis chapter 31, and reading from verse 1. The Bible says this, Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all That was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has acquired all his wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favourable toward him as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field, to his flock, and said to them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not favourable toward me as before, but God, the God of my father, has been with me. And you know that with all my might, I've served your father. yet Your father has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times over, but God did not allow him to hurt me. Let's pray. So father, I just thank you that as we go into your word, I pray that you would speak to us today, that this word would not just be more information, but that it would become a revelation in our hearts about who you are and what it is that you want to do in our hearts and lives even today. We love you, God. Father, um, just pray uh, that, Father, that you would speak to us today. Just bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be uh, freedom to speak and to hear your word today. And let your gifts be in operation, Father. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand that which you want us to hear today, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. So we've been in a series entitled, But God. There it is right there. And uh, this is the last um, message in this particular series um, and we've looked uh, we've been looking at the power of these two seemingly insignificant words in the Bible two very small uh, seemingly insignificant words but God but these two words are powerful because no matter who you are no matter what you've done no matter what's happened to you or what you're experiencing there can be a but God moment that changes your life forever. We serve a God that in the midst of a sentence that describes our life, he can interrupt that sentence, he can change that sentence, uh, he can insert two little words that change the trajectory of our lives. A few weeks ago we saw, uh, we looked at the life of Joseph and we saw the power of these two words in his life and the key verse, and all of it, many of us know the verse, but it says, you intended to harm me Speaking about his brothers who sold him into slavery and wanted to kill him and wanted him out of the way. He said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God, there it is. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You intended to do some harm, but God actually used those very things to bring about his purposes, his glory. It's great Another great example of this in the life of Paul. I was reading it just a couple of weeks ago. Paul is writing to Timothy um, and he's in a prison. He's alone. People are deserting him. People are coming against him. Uh, The people that he trusted are turning their backs on him because now he's been thrown into prison. And this is what he says. He says, but the Lord, which is the same as saying, but God, stood at my side and gave me strength. What What a powerful verse! So that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Everybody has deserted me, but God did not desert me. He stood by my side. I, I, I was all alone in a prison, but God was with me even while I was there. And no matter what we might be going through in our own lives, always remember that God is with you and he's going to see you through. So today I want to talk about a really good topic. It's actually a topic of dysfunctional families, okay? If you've got a dysfunctional family, if you belong to one, this topic is for you. Um, and uh, so the question I want to look at is, what do you do if you've grown up in a dysfunctional family? Somebody once said families are a lot like hazelnut chocolate. Uh, they're mostly sweet but sprinkled with a few nuts. Um, we've all got a few nuts in our family, haven't we? My sister's a, a going big nod. Yeah, 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 we've got one nut in our family. George Burns said, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. Um, Uh, When we talk about a dysfunctional family, uh, we mean a family that is fragmented, has problems, uh, relationships aren't healthy, there's always tension, arguing, fighting, sagas, uh, fear, manipulation, deceit, and the list goes on and on. Home is not a happy place to be in. Uh, Where where normally you might say, just can't wait to get home. Uh, For people who that belong to a dysfunctional family, you go, oh no, you know, going home is going to be more heartache and, 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 and more challenges. Many times these dysfunctions seem to repeat themselves in the next generation. No, no, no. Parents say to their children, you know, listen, we we come from a long line of dysfunction. You know, our great-grandfather was dysfunctional. Our father was dysfunctional. We're dysfunctional. And we just want you to be dysfunctional as well. No no one uh, uh, intentionally passes that on, but it seems to repeat themselves in the next generation. What I love about the Bible is that it doesn't hide some of the challenging families. And today we're going to focus on one of those families. It's Jacob's family. I've heard some messages on this already, but I uh, want to look at some of the dysfunction is his own family. And I just pray that God would speak to all of us today about what's happening in our own homes and in our own lives. If you've been in church some time, you'll be familiar with the story. Jacob's father was Isaac and his grandfather was Abraham. And we often think about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob as these heroes of the faith, but that's not necessarily the case. Uh, They were just like you and me. Abraham lied about his wife on a couple of occasions. Isaac did exactly the same thing. And Jacob was a deceiver. You kind of see this pattern going through the family of lying and deception. That runs through Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. Um, Isaac um, marries uh, Rebekah, and they have two sons, Esau and Jacob. Uh, Isaac, the father, favours Esau, the older son. Uh, Rebekah, the mum, favours Jacob, the younger son. Um, And imagine that, you know, favourites in a family. I mean, you know, of course that doesn't happen today, Uh, but it did. Of course it happens today, Uh, but it happened way back then. Uh, Jacob, uh, who was always competing with his older brother, and one day uh, Esau went out hunting and he was famished. Uh, And Jacob was cooking a lentil stew. And he says to his younger brother, Jacob, can I have some of the stew? I'm famished. You know, I need to eat. Uh, And Jacob says, yes, but I want your birthright. It was uh, like an inheritance. I want your birthright. And then Esau says, well, what good is my birthright if I die? And he gives it to him. I mean, imagine the love between these two brothers. It's just amazing, isn't it? He has his brother that's absolutely famished. He's about to die. And, and it, you know, Jacob kind of sees this as an opportunity to get something for himself. And he takes it instead of just saying, here, have some stew. No problem at all. Uh, then in the Bible times, the father would give a blessing to the older son. So there was kind of the inheritance, but there was a blessing that was passed on uh, to the older son. And so um, uh, Isaac says to Esau, I'm going to bless you. Go out and hunt some game. And then when you bring it back, I'll I'll speak a blessing over your life. Well, Rebecca hears about this. And so this is Jacob's mum. And she helps Jacob deceive his dad, uh, who was blind, into uh, getting the actual blessing itself. So it's really messed up. Esau wants, finds out, wants to kill Jacob. Jacob flees to Uncle Laban's house, falls in love with his daughter Rachel, works seven years for her. Uh, on the wedding night, he gets Leah, the oldest sister. Well, there's a whole story there. Um, now we have two sisters married to the same man. And, uh, you know, that's never going to be good. That's always going to be fraught with trouble. Um, fast forward 30, 40 years. Jacob now has uh, uh, 12 sons. And in case he hadn't learned about the problems in his own family, uh, his favourite was Joseph. And so here we see, you know, history being repeated again, um, the whole saga being repeated again. Uh, There was an interesting study from Brown University, and the researchers said this. Many people hope that once they leave home, they will leave their family and childhood problems behind. However, many find that they experience similar problems as well as similar feelings and relationship patterns long after they've left their own family environment. And it's easy to answer why, uh, because your background follows you wherever you go. It doesn't matter where you go, those issues, whatever issues that have kind of been passed on in your family and whatever, they then become your issues and they follow you no matter where you go. Until we acknowledge the issues in our life, stop blaming others, Forgive those who have hurt you, deal with the issues. There's a whole message right there. You see, a lot of people um, experience certain things and and the way they deal with it is by blaming everybody else. Well, it's not my fault, it's somebody else's fault. And the greatest thing that we can do is just acknowledge those issues, stop blaming others, forgive those who have hurt you, take responsibility and deal with these issues. Well, despite all the sagas in Jacob's family, he was used by God in a powerful way, which kind of encourages all of us. In fact, in Hebrews 11, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob are all mentioned as great men of faith. So Jacob and Laban, uh, for many, uh, Jacob served Laban for many years, and now he decides to leave. And this is at the end of Genesis chapter 30, which says this: "In this way, the man Jacob grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys." And this is where we pick up the story in our text that I read earlier on. So there's a few principles I want to pull out of the text that I pray will speak to all of us here today. The first principle, you're going to be encouraged by this one, is we all need to accept the reality that every single family is dysfunctional. All right, can I hear an amen there? Uh, The first principle that we need to understand is that every single family is dysfunctional to one degree or another. Jacob came from a dysfunctional family. His parents had favourites. Jacob hated his brother. Esau wanted to kill him. Mum was colluding with Jacob to trick her husband. Uh, it's kind of messed up. It's absolutely messed up. You have a mum who has two sons and she says, you know what, I prefer the younger one. I want him to be blessed. So much so that she tricks her own husband. And, and so that's got to be messed up. I mean... um. Then, you, then you you look at the second family, Laban's family. Well, that's dysfunctional too. To the max, he says to Jacob, "You can marry Rachel. You've got to work seven years." And on the wedding night, he switches daughters. I mean, I don't even know how that happened. What, what did he do? What did he do? Did he call Leah and he say, Did he say to her, You know what? Uh, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to switch the two of you on the wedding night. And, and I can imagine Jacob at the wedding saying, Does anyone know where Leah is? Because I, I don't know where she is. I can't even see seen her at the whole wedding. Uh, and I can imagine the morning after, uh, Laban going, Watch this. This is going to be really interesting, you know, to, to see how Jacob reacts. Uh, I got no idea how that happened, but it happened. And now Jacob himself. Is married to two sisters who are competing for his attention. So here's the principle. Every single family is dysfunctional to one degree or another. And the reason why this is so important is because there's a real danger that we can all develop a victim mentality. A victim mentality is a trap that says, um, you know, it's not my fault that I am where I am. stops us from getting help, facing the pain, Dealing with the issues of our life. We blame someone or something else for where we are in our lives. And all that does is it makes it all worse. We blame someone for the mess that we're in. So children blame their parents. Well, the reason why I'm here is because my parents. If my parents were different, then my life would be different. Um, I'll never forget the words my dad said. I'll never forgive my mother for what she did. My parents were too strict, too liberal And my parents were never at home. And so children kind of blame their parents for where they are. And I guess the the tough situation there is that sometimes there's a kernel of truth in there. And that's what we need to deal with. We need to deal with the pain and we need to deal with the wound and the hurt and so on and so on. But we need to be careful of that. Parents blame their children. They have no respect. they They never listen to me. They're rebellious. If they would just do as they're told, you know, and so on and so on. And so we have this whole blame game. All blame does is actually reinforce the problems that we have. It doesn't actually solve anything in our lives. It actually just reinforces all of of that. So the greatest thing that we can do is actually face the issues. And that requires a sense of humility. That requires a sense of brokenness. When we reflect on and acknowledge our own words, our own dysfunctional behaviours, are honest about some of the challenges that we face, that's where healing actually begins. Um, while we're in a blame game or denial or just pretending that everything's fine, we'll never get any kind of healing in our lives. It's only when we start to become honest about some of the issues in our own lives. It's only when we start to face some of those wounds and those hurts and those patterns of thinking in our lives, when we're honest with ourselves, it's only then that healing can actually take place. It's not what happened to you, it's what you do with what's happened to you. I say that quite often and, and, you know, people say, well, if this didn't happen to me, if that didn't happen to me, then my life would be completely different. Maybe, but it's not what happened to you that matters. It's what you do with what's happened to you. And you can either blame everybody else or, or you can actually, you know, deal with some of those things. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What it's talking about there is blessed are those who have a humble spirit, a broken spirit. A person that says, I don't have it all together. I can't do this on my own. I need some help. Jesus is saying that's the kind of people that will experience the blessed life. The reason why families are dysfunctional is because people are dysfunctional. Can you hear an amen? The reason why people are dysfunctional is because we've all been infected with a virus. It's a virus called sin. Sin. Paul said this, when Adam sinned, the entire world was affected, infected. And sin entered human experience and death was the result. And the vaccine for sin is not Pfizer or AstraZeneca. or religion, or good works. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been singing about that all morning. Every song was about Jesus and about what he's done in our hearts and lives. The Bible says that if we confess our sin, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The, re- the reason why families are dysfunctional is because people are dysfunctional. And the reason why people are dysfunctional is because we've all been infected with sin. And there's so many ways that we can try and deal with sin. We can try and do good things or we, can, we, can, we, can, we think religion can deal with sin and so on and so on. The greatest way to deal with sin is just to confess it to God. And allow him to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the good thing about the vaccine of the blood of Jesus is you can get a top up every single day. Uh, and uh, there's no problem at all uh, there. And the side effects are pretty good too. So you don't have to worry about the side effects of that, this particular vaccine. You know, the side effects are peace, joy and all of that, and abundance. So it's pretty cool. Second principle that comes out of this story, which really blesses me, is that God still speaks in the dysfunction. So first principle is this, we're all dysfunctional. It's just a question of your degree. Um, maybe just turn to the person next to you and say, just, you know, you're dysfunctional. Just, just you know, come to grips with it. Just get a hold of it. So don't, don't say you're more dysfunctional than me. Don't say that because that would not be good. Um, the, the second principle is that, comes out of the text, is that God speaks in the dysfunction. So we've seen Jacob's lie, he's outmaneuvered his brother, he's tricked his father, now he's been deceived. In the midst of all the sagas which is better than the bold and the beautiful days of our lives. I mean, in the midst of all the sagas, the tragedies, the mistakes, the Lord speaks to Jacob. Notice verse three says this. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family and I'll be with you. Now this wasn't the only time that God spoke to Jacob. When Jacob left home the first time, he was on the run from Esau. He'd just tricked his father. He'd just lied. He'd just stolen the blessing from his, his older brother. And he's on the run because he's scared that his older brother is going to kill him. And one night, he's on the run. He's on the, on the way to his uncle's house. One night, the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, I'm the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. And I'm going to give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. I'm with you. And we'll watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. God spoke a word into his life while he was still a mess. God spoke a word into his life while, while while he was still all over the place. And I don't know about you, but that blesses me. That gives me some hope. Because no matter how dysfunctional we are, how messed up we feel, God can still speak a word into our hearts. God God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, the Bible says. God sees the potential in our lives and he calls that out of us. Um, Notice what God doesn't say to Jacob. He doesn't say to Jacob, well, get it all together for goodness sake. You know, what goes around, comes around, you know, um, karma, you know, you, the, you, you, trick, you trick your father, you trick your brother, and now you got tricked as well. Well, that's what you deserve. That's not what God says to him. Remember what you sow, you reap. Speaking to someone today and this week, sorry, about this kind of thing, and they said, oh, karma, they deserve karma. Well, the, it's also a, a principle in Scripture, what you sow, you reap. But I just love the fact that that in the midst of all the dysfunction, in the midst of all the sagas, in the midst of what's going wrong and right, in the midst of all of that, the Bible says, then the Lord said to Jacob, the Lord spoke to him, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. And, and, And even before that, God gives him a promise about his future. There's two ways that we can... Uh, as a parent, there's two ways that we can actually um, you know, bring up our children. There's, there's, there's kind of two things. One, one way is we can punish the bad. And there are some times where we, there needs to be some discipline and consequences and so on. But there's two ways. One is punish the bad or call out the, the good in them. And what happens is as you call out the good in them, then the negative behavior or the, or the problematic behavior is actually a, a extinguished. Um, I love the way God deals with, with us. And, and certainly sometimes God does say, hey, you know, these are the consequences of your behaviour. But I like the way that God dealt with Jacob. He gives, he gives him a promise about his future. He begins to call out the potential inside of him rather than smash him over the head. As we as parents are, you know, prone to do we love to do, we want to do. Um, God speaks to him about the plans he has for his life. And Jacob leaves that night in secret with his family and Laban is furious and so he chases him with his sons. He wants to kill him. And then there's this verse, but God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream at night and said to him, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. He is dysfunctional Laban and God is still speaking to him as well. God is still uh, appearing to him in a dream in this particular case and still speaking to him. Here's the good news. God doesn't wait for us to be perfect before he speaks to us. Before he uses us. God uses us despite our imperfections. Can I hear an amen? Paul said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Um, God, God has put his treasure in jars of clay. In other words, on the, are you serious? On the outside, we look like nothing. So that... Uh, his all surpassing power is so that to show that his all surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's nothing from us, it's from, from God. Look through the Bible and you'll see all the failures. Moses failed and God used him in a powerful way. Moses was a murderer, he murdered someone and God still used him in a powerful way. David, uh, you know, not only murder, there was adultery and still God used him in an amazing way Peter failed and God used him I mean Peter was someone who had actually spent time with Jesus three years he'd spent with Jesus walked with Jesus saw the miracles of Jesus and then at a critical moment in his life three times he denies that he ever knew Jesus and God still used him in a powerful way and Jacob failed and God still used him. Over 20 times in the Bible, you're going to, re- you're going to hear a phrase that says that, that God refers to him. God, God refers to himself as the God of Jacob. And I don't know about you, but that actually speaks to me quite deeply because Jacob was a failure and Jacob was a deceiver. And Jacob had a bunch of issues, but God still used him in a powerful way. He's the God of Jacob. And if God could use a Jacob, then God could use you and me. Don't let failure define you. Use it to grow and learn from it. So every family is dysfunctional and God still speaks in the dysfunction. Third principle is to allow God to define our destiny, not our dysfunction. Allow God to define your destiny, not your dysfunction. Some people have already made up their mind in life I'm never going to amount to anything because of X, Y, and Z. My life is always going to be a disaster because of this, this, and this. Don't let the issues, the challenges you've you've experienced in life define you, let God define you. We need to stop focusing on what was, start to see our lives from God's perspective. Where we focus on God and press into what God has for us. Notice what Jacob does in the midst of all of this. You can see that Jacob's grown closer to God. Verse 4 So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field and his flock. And he said to them, I see your father's um, countenance, that it's not favorable toward me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might I've served your father, yet your father, has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times, but God did not allow him to harm me. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given to me. From plotting to his mu- with his mum to running away to negotiating for a wife, you can see something's changed in his life. Instead of viewing his life from the perspective of scheming and plotting and dysfunction, he starts to see how God is working in his life. And three times, notice how he describes what God is doing in his life. Three times he uses the phrase, but God, or so God, to describe how God has intervened in his life. On your notes, you can write this. He acknowledges God's presence. I see your father's countenance that it's not favorable toward me, but the God of my father's been with me. I could see that everybody's been against me, but but God has been with me. His presence is with me. Secondly, he acknowledges God's, God's protection. Your father's deceived me, changed my wages 10 times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. Your father was trying to hurt me, but God did not allow him to hurt me. He, he recognised that God was protecting him from harm. And thirdly, he acknowledges God's blessing. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. The reason why I'm so blessed is because God has blessed me. I want you to know that no matter how bad your life has been, how tragic and how difficult, no matter what kind of circumstances you've grown up in, no matter what's happened to your life, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, when we decide to become a child of God by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, when we can pray, our Father who art in heaven, my Father who art in heaven, when we can call Him Daddy, Daddy, then you like Jacob, we like Jacob, will experience the presence of God. We'll experience the protection of God and we will experience the favour and the blessing of God. That when we open our hearts up to God, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, our life will never be the same again. We'll experience the presence of God. I tell you, if there's something that we need in our lives, more than anything else, if for God to be with us, yeah. it's the presence of God. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me," says Psalm 23. "It's the presence of God. We can face any challenging. We can face any challenge, knowing that God is with us. I love what the Word of God says about the Holy Spirit. One of the names for the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. The paraclete is the one who comes alongside of you. And and no matter what challenges we might be facing in life, no matter what difficulties we're going through in this COVID season, one of the things that helps us go through this season is an understanding that God is with us. He comes alongside of us. And we do the best we can, but we know that I've got the presence of God. We have the protection of God. I don't care what anybody says about us. I don't care what people are trying to do. I don't care what what people want to do. Some people might want to harm you. They're jealous and blah, 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 blah. But listen, one of the things that we need is the protection of God. And I know in this kind of season we're all afraid of this and that and the, ah, uh, which, which, uh, which vaccine, this vaccine, that vaccine, you know, we talked about it last week, you know, heart attack or blood clot or whatever and, and so on. But there's, there's got to be an understanding in our lives that we've got the protection of God. He's with, he's with us, He'll protect us. And we have the blessing of God, we have the favor of God. What, what you don't need is your boss's favor, what you need is the favor of God. What, what, what you don't need is, is, you know, well, if I've got to get to know that person, because if I get to know that person, then that person's going to get introduce me to that person and the other person. and the, Listen, we don't need any of those things. there What we need is the blessing and the favour of God. You know, um, some people use the phrase, you know, it, you, uh, describing certain people, they say, you know, these kind of people, whatever they seem to touch turns to gold. You know, I hate those kind of people. I don't think I should have said that, hey. Whatever they touch seems to turn to gold, you know? And that can, be, that, that can be the description of our lives. And when we turn to God, people will look at us and they go, gee, everything they touch seems to turn to God. And it's not because of us. It's the favour of God and the blessing of God. No dysfunctional background can stop the purposes of God in your life. Can I say that again? No dysfunctional background can stop the purposes of God for your life. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. No one can frustrate the plans of God for your life. Nothing what the devil has meant for harm, God can use for his glory. The very things that the enemy has meant for harm in your life, God can use those very things for his glory. We have a choice in life. or to see all the dysfunctions around us, blame our mums, our dads, our circumstances. Or we can look at our lives and say, I I didn't grow up in a perfect home. I have some issues I need to deal with. Get some help, press into God, and let Him help you work through whatever issues you might have. It's a revelation of the but God that helps us. To see the hand of providence and the hand of God in the mess. It's a revelation that we serve a God that in the midst of a sentence that describes our life, He can interrupt that sentence, change that sentence. Insert just two little words. Change the trajectory of our lives. I know some of you might be here saying, Pastor Joe, it's easy for you to talk. You grew up in this kind of home and blah, 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 blah. But you don't understand what's happened to me. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. understand. And it's true, I don't understand. But there is a God who does understand. There is a God who, who understands the pain that we're going through the greatest thing that we can do is, is bring it to Him, is allow Him to intersect our lives, allow Him to intervene in the pain. And we've all got pain to one degree or another. We've all got dysfunctions to one degree or another. We've all got issues to one degree or another. It's not the issues, it's not the pain, it's not the dysfunction, it's what we do with it. And we can either bury it, deny the reality of it, blame, deny, medicate it with alcohol and drugs. Or well, we can bring it into the presence of God. Because the Bible says He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. That's the kind of God that we serve. He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. We, 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 despite what's happened to us, we need to, we need to invite God into, into our lives. Allow God to intersect and intervene in our lives. And watch what He does. James Montgomery Boyce said this, if you understand those two words, but God, they will save your soul. And if you recall them daily and live by them, they will transform your life completely. Jacob had a dysfunctional grandfather, a dysfunctional father, mother, his in-laws were dysfunctional. Not to mention Jacob himself was just a little bit dysfunctional. But despite all of that, he experienced the presence of God the protection of God, the blessing of God. And so can you and so can I. And just by the way, um, God doesn't just leave the pain inside of us. He helps us work through the pain. He helps us work through the pain. You know the story of Jacob uh, you know, the, the night before. He's, he's made a decision to leave Laban and he's about to go and meet his brother and he is scared witless. He's about to meet his brother for the very first time. He sends his family up ahead and he's left alone, the Bible tells us, for, for one night. And the Bible says that an angel believed, believed to be God. It's, he, he comes and he wrestles with him. He begins to wrestle with Jacob. And Jacob is wrestling with God. Has anyone ever wrestled with God? Wrestled with God where you've said, God, what are you doing? Why have you done this? Why has this happened? You're supposed to be God. You're supposed to be the great God. But but why have you done this? We talked about this a few weeks ago. And here's Jacob wrestling with God. And 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 God says to him, "Let me go." And Jacob says to him, "I'm not going to let you go until you bless me." I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Bible says that The angel touched the hip of his socket and he says, He says to him, listen carefully, he says to him, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but your name shall be called Israel. What does that speak about? Jacob means deceiver, liar. He says to him, As of today, your name shall no longer be Jacob. I'm going to give you a new name. Your name from now on is going to be called Israel because you fought with God and won. God doesn't just keep us in our dysfunction. As we turn to Him, as we pour out our hearts to God, He begins to talk to us. He begins to work in our hearts. The Holy Spirit comes and, and begins to help us and guide us and lead us and forgive the unforgivable. And at some point, He changes our name. You shall no longer be called dysfunctional, but as of today, you shall be called functional. As of today, you shall be called blessed. As of today, you shall be called healed. Because I've got a great plan and a purpose for your life. So much so that God Himself says, call me, call me the God of Jacob. Not the God of Joseph, not the God of Moses, not the God of Daniel. Call me the God of Jacob. Because I'm the kind of God that can turn a Jacob into an Israel. Richard Hoffler writes a short story in a book entitled, Will Daylight Come? He writes, a little boy visiting his grandparents was given his first slingshot. He practised in the woods, but he could never hit his target. As he came back to grandma's backyard, he spied her pet duck. On impulse, he took aim, let it fly. The stone hit its target. The boy panicked. Desperately, he hid the dead duck in the woodpile. Only to look and see his sister watching. Sally had seen it all but said nothing. After lunch that day, grandma, grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Johnny told me he wanted to wash the dishes. Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered to him, Remember the duck, do the chores or I'll tell. So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing. Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do that. And again, she whispered, remember the duck. Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. After several days of Johnny doing the chores and Sally's, he couldn't stand it anymore. He confessed to Grandma that he'd killed her duck. I know, Johnny, she said, giving him a huge hug. I was standing at the window when I saw the whole thing because I love you, I forgave you. I was just wondering how long you would be, how long you would let Sally make you her slave. And that's the question for us. How long are we going to become slaves to the mistakes that we have made? How long are we going to become slaves to our dysfunctions? How long are we going to become slaves to... Our upbringing, whatever's happened in our lives. How long are we going to be slaves to this thing that's happened in our lives? And let it dominate us. You'll never amount to anything because this has happened to you. Dysfunctional families, there is no other kind. So what do you do if you've grown up in a home where you've been hurt? Well, acknowledge the pain and hurt. Don't bury it, acknowledge it. Uh, it, This hurts me. Admit that there's some things that aren't right. Forgive those who have hurt you. Get help if you need it. The greatest thing that you can do is press into God. Spirit of dysfunction is broken when we forgive. And I I think that the best example of how God functions in dysfunction is the cross. World is a mess. The virus of sin has infected everyone. Everybody is flawed and broken. And that could be the end of the story. The story. This sick and sorry planet slowly allowing sin to turn on itself. People say, oh, the problem in the world is global warming. I'm not even going to argue whether it really exists or not. That's for somebody else to argue outside of these walls. Let's assume that it is. The problem is not global warming. The problem is greed. It's greed. We all want to return on our superannuation. And, and we change it if, if the places we, we invest with are not performing the problem is not global warming or pollution. The problem is greed, and you know what greed is? Greed is a sin. It's the only way that we can deal with that, is through Jesus Christ. The world is a mess. The virus of sin has infected everyone, and this sick and sorry planet slowly allowing sin to turn on itself. But that's not the whole story. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, but. But God, there's our words. But God is so rich in mercy. And He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, not physically dead, the word dead that is separated from God, He gave us life when He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that you have been saved, not by your works. It's by the grace of God. The world is a mess. And God interrupts that sentence with just two little words, but God, and He changes the course of history. What God has done in history, wants to do with our lives. I wonder there might be people here whose lives have been characterized by challenges, relationships that are not healthy, family filled with brokenness and sagas and arguing and fighting and fear. And, and some of you have decided that's the destiny of your life. You've got to choose. You can be a slave to your dysfunctions. Or you can allow God to intervene. With just two little words, but God. And He will speak to you about your future. He will speak to you about the plans that He has for your life. And you will experience His presence, His protection, and His blessing by His grace and for His glory. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? Um, As a pastor, I get the privilege from time to time to talk to people about their lives. They give me the absolute privilege of, they trust me with some of the things that have happened to them. Whenever I'm speaking to someone and they open up about what's happened in their lives, for me, that, that spot is sacred. It's sacred. It's someone who's saying, I'm gonna give you a little piece of my heart. And as I hear the stories, uh something, I start, you know, inside I just start to grieve. Sometimes I start crying. I just can't believe the pain that some people have experienced. Some of the things that people have gone through in life, the tragedies, the complexities, the difficulties. Um, and often in those times, I've got no idea what to say. I've got no idea, no idea what to say. And all I can say is... Those things can either destroy you, or you can allow those things to bring you closer to God. Um, and my prayer is that there are some of you that have experienced some tough stuff. When I say dysfunctional, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And and, and my prayer for you would be, you, you can either stay in the dysfunction for all of your life, be a slave to that dysfunction, or you can bring that to God and say, God, would you help me navigate this? And as as you do, He will guide you through a process that will turn that whole thing around and use it for His glory. That's my prayer for you. Counselling, it's amazing. I love counselling. I think it's great. But not as great as bringing whatever it is that you've got to, to God. Reading books, amazing. Seminars, fantastic. Do it all remember one time I had to go through a time. I had to forgive some situations, some people. Uh, I was struggling. I was struggling. I didn't want to do it. Simple as that. I didn't want to do it. Didn't think it was right or fair. I read every single book I could get my hands on on forgiveness. Read every story I could. I could say, okay, God, you know, you know exactly what's in my heart. I don't want to do this, but I know it's the right thing to do. You've forgiven me, why should I not forgive someone else? The Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive me just like I forgive everybody. If I don't forgive anyone, God's not going to forgive me. It's in the Lord's Prayer. Forgiveness is not natural, but God gives us the grace to forgive the unforgivable. Grace is the supernatural abilities of God to do that which we cannot do on our own. So bring your pain to God and allow Him to work through it. Can I have every eye closed, every head bowed, please, just for one second? I'm going to close in prayer. But if if while I've been speaking, God has been speaking to you and you say, "Just Joe, just count me in this prayer because I need some help with dealing with something. Just put your hand up, put it right back down. And just and, uh, yes, put it right up and right back down again. Yep, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just put it right back down again. Yep, is there anybody else? Saying, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with some of this stuff. Would you help me? Yeah, right down the back. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you know us like no one knows us. Even before we were born, you already knew us, your word says. You have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And you know, the enemy has a plan too to destroy us. Distract us from who you are. And Father, we just thank you that your plans are good so that we could experience life. Father, I just pray for those that have lifted their hands, Lord God, those that have gone through struggles, that are going through struggles. I pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would come alongside of them. That what the enemy has meant for harm, you're going to use for your glory, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. That you're going to make a way where there doesn't seem to be one. You're going to bless, Father God, where there's there's no blessing, Lord God. And somehow you're going to use the whole situation for your glory. We bind every work of the enemy, every destructive thought. Come against it in Jesus' name. Let your name be glorified, I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do in and through our lives. This we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You've been an amazing congregation today. God bless you. Amen.